Welcome to the monthly Three Edge View from the Edge for January 2024. I'm Fritz Foltz, Chief Investment Strategist. Joining me here today once again is Eric Beagleisen, Director of Investment Research and Deputy Chief Investment Officer here at Three Edge Asset Management. Before we begin, on behalf of everyone here at Three Edge, we would like to wish everyone the very best in the new year. <clears throat> so let's get started. And as we do each month, Eric and I will provide our firm's most recent outlook for the markets, which is based on our proprietary model. But before we get to that, we'll take a brief look back at activity in the global capital markets during December, where the rally that began in early November continued into year end. And it wasn't just markets here in the U.S. that had a strong month of December. Global equities also continued to move higher as investor sentiment swung decidedly away from concerns about higher interest rates for longer and towards a new narrative that the Fed's tightening cycle is now over and rate cuts are on the way for 2024. And in December, it wasn't just equities that had a strong month. Longer dated U.S. Treasury prices rose as their yields declined and gold was positive for the month. Then, of course, Eric, there was Bitcoin, which was up, I believe, almost 20%, maybe more in December, and came in just shy of 150% gain for the year. But as we look back on 2023, the year may be best remembered for the economic recession that most everyone expected never materialized. And last year, as it came to a close, the economy and the, mark, the labor market continued to show remarkable resilience, inflation continued to decelerate, and yield on longer dated treasuries continued to fall, meaning bond prices rose. And so as we enter 2024, the question among investors is, when will the hoped for cuts in interest rates by the Fed arrive? And of course, can the Fed stick the landing and complete their goal of a soft landing whereby they tame inflation without causing a recession. So let me bring Eric here now into the conversation. And let's begin, as we always do, by looking at our asset class matrix to see what may have changed from the prior month. That's great. Thanks, Fritz. Yeah, so we can see here on the asset class matrix, there's a, just a little bit of movement. We're seeing uh, Japan and uh, the EM slash China move down, uh, down to that mixed level, joining uh, the U.S. and India uh, in that space, you're seeing rates move actually up uh, into that positive one slot. So, you know, the, the overall look from from you know the fifty thousand foot view here might be that we're a bit less optimistic on equities. I'd say many of these mixed are kind of in that mixed to positive, and we'll we'll get into the details uh, ahead. Um, here we go. Good, excellent. All right, so let's do that. Let's dig in. Uh, look at the major asset classes. Why don't we begin with U.S. equities, which, thanks to a handful of mega cap tech stocks, had a very good year. But what is the model research indicating now as we enter into the new year? Yeah, no doubt that Magnificent Seven were largely responsible for most of the uh, U.S. equity market's gains. They finished the year strong. The S&P 500 just shy of its all-time highs, uh, up over 20, 26% on the year. The NASDAQ 100 exceeding its previous high, actually from two years earlier, and up over 55% on the year. Uh, pretty impressive. No doubt, you know, following the November Fed meeting, the narrative on the market shifted dramatically away from the fear of, of higher rates for longer to calls for as many as six interest rate cuts by the Fed in 2024. And this positive investor psychology contributed to that year-end rally we witnessed. Uh, the S&P 500's you know, move higher throughout 2023 was also, 
you know, driven from that excitement around those those mega cap stocks and and the enthusiasm over this game changing uh, potential of generative artificial intelligence. So, you know, what's what's what are we looking at uh, into twenty twenty four? Is the S and P five hundred priced for perfection in an environment where risks are still present? Right, um, we still have this mixed outlook here. The yield curve has been inverted. Uh, that is, short-term interest rates are higher than longer-term rates. It's been over a year now like that. Um, in the past, an inverted yield curve uh, has been a reliable forecaster of a potential slower growth uh, and often a recession, as you alluded to, Fritz. Though, you know, as we've noted, the Fed's recent monetary policy pivot could support a continuation of this rally uh, in equities, which is why we're, there's still some optimism. Uh, in that vein, we favor U.S. small cap value equities, which have underperformed the large cap counterparts and offer much more attractive valuations relative to, say, those magnificent seven large cap growth stock names. Uh, so mixed outlook for U.S. equities remains, but it's being supported by positive psychology that we've seen. But there's risks from the inverted yield curve remaining. So you can, you can kind of see it's this uh, pull and push from both sides. Excellent. All right. All right, so now let's look at Japanese equities. Uh, also had a strong year of performance in 23. Um, seemed that our model maybe was, was becoming a little less positive towards Japanese equities as we came into the end of the year, but what are we seeing there now? Yeah, yeah, Japanese equities enjoyed that strong year of performance up over 19% on the year. You know, our current outlook is, is somewhat favorable, the mix that we talked about. Um, the research signals some caution ahead based on the measure of the rate of change of the Japanese yield curve. So it had been steepening somewhat with the release of the cap by the BOJ uh, on the long end of the yield curve. And then you know that, that created some steepening and investors since have actually uh, backed off somewhat. And we've seen that, that yield curve actually flattened back a little bit, uh, reducing that optimism. You know, so small cap equities in Japan uh, could be interesting uh, as they are a bit more undervalued relative to their large cap counterparts, much like in the U.S., potentially attractive based on the potential for that Japanese central bank to relax its yield curve control further, which could cause a strengthening the Japanese yen. We've seen that people trying to get in front of that in such a situation. This could be a, a headwind for large cap you know, Japanese exporters, but perhaps less problematic for smaller Japanese companies that are more focused on the domestic market who may actually benefit from a strengthening yen. Excellent. All right. Well, let's shift our focus into Europe, where last year, in spite of a rather difficult economic environment, European equities, you know, they did quite well. But what's our outlook now in 2024 for European equity markets? Yeah, yeah. Uh, European equities rallied in the final months of the year, as you, as we've touched on, as every day, everything rallied, uh, mainly to that positive investor psychology and equity market momentum, even in the face of, of what seems like mounting signs of, of economic weakness across the Eurozone. We just saw the inflation print come out a bit higher there uh, this morning as well. Um, European stocks finished up over 18% for the year. Um, by the end of October, though, they were nearly flat on the year. So there's been quite a bit of uh, volatility in that market. Overall, the outlook does remain negative, largely based on the current shape of the yield curve as we calculate it, which indicates just the potential for a slowdown and a potential recession in Europe. All right, good. So now let's talk about China and the emerging markets. And China was kind of interesting in that at the start of last year, there was a good deal of enthusiasm around the prospects for Chinese equities as China emerged from uh, the COVID lockdown. But obviously, that wasn't the case. Chinese equities really struggled in 23. However, 
Emerging markets, ex-China, did have positive returns last year. So what is our model research indicating now for EM and China equities going forward? Yeah, it's been interesting to see the, the performance gap there, that emerging markets can stand on its own two legs without the support of China. Uh, the equity markets, no doubt, Chinese equity markets, no doubt, disappointed investors. You know, the hope for recovery from those strict COVID lockdowns never materialized. We saw large Chinese property uh, developers and that whole sector really continue to struggle. Uh, and there's just been nonstop reports coming out about excessive debt levels, broadly speaking, both public and private debt uh, in China, which remains concerning. Um, emerging market equities ex China did have that positive year of performance, depending on the index you look at, up almost 19% on the year. Uh, the direction of EM in uh, 2024 will depend you know, on whether the Fed does indeed uh, ease monetary policy and cut short term rates here in the US, which will impact the value of the dollar. And should the, should the Fed satisfy market expectations and begin to cut rates, uh, EM, EM equities could benefit. Um, any rally in the US dollar alongside this could weigh on emerging market equities, though, uh, who often issue their debt in US dollar, uh, US dollar denomination, and then may make it even more challenging to service those debts, particularly with higher rates. Um, you know, that said, you know, Chinese equities still show some potential. This is why we're still you know, in this mixed camp. Uh, compared to the U.S. equity market, Chinese and emerging markets continue to represent an undervalued asset class. Chinese equities peaked in the, the, the February of 2021 and have been down well over 50% since then. Uh, so pricing in a substantial amount of bad news already. And you know, along with attractive equity valuations, the Chinese government remains focused on supporting its economy and stock market through a variety of stimulus measures. None have really been substantive enough yet, maybe to convince market participants to get in in a big way, but they continue to ramp up those interventions, which could be supportive of, of both Chinese and, and emerging market equities. Excellent. Okay. So the last of the equity asset classes is India equity. What is our model seeing there in terms of the India equity market for 2024? Yeah, uh, along with other global equities, India's equity market also rallied in the, those final months of the year, finished 2023 up over 17% after spending the first five months of the year actually negative. Um, so it's really, really impressive turnaround there. The long-term outlook for India, uh, Indian equities from, from our perspective remains favorable. Uh, nearer term, our model shows you know, India's equities remaining a bit overvalued. And the yield curve measure we construct for the region is weighing a bit on India's shorter term economic prospects or the potential. So, you know, mixed to positive like the other equities we talked about. All right, great. All right, so now we'll shift gears away from equities and look at the fixed income in the bond market, which was actually kind of an exciting place in 2023. And, you know, usually excitement in bonds are not often heard in the same sentence. However, it was a bit of a roller coaster uh, in the bond market last year. So what is our model seeing in terms of fixed income and particularly in the U.S. Treasury market here in 2024? Yeah, the bond market did offer a wild ride in, in 2023. You know, interestingly, the yield on the 10-year U.S. Treasury ended the year nearly where it started, if you can believe it, around that 3.7, 3 3.8% range. You know, it hit a low though, intra-year, it hit a low of 3.3% of, of and a high of almost 5% throughout the year. So that's, that's, that is a gyration. And that's, sure. and that's a huge move in the bond market, moves. right? Maybe in equities, it doesn't seem like a lot, but in the bond market, that's an enormous these are, move. These are big moves, no, no doubt. Um, you know, notable declines in the yield following the Fed's November statement, indicating 
that the end of the tightening cycle and a shift towards easing through interest rate cuts starting this year, that definitely uh, played a, a, a big role. And, and given that dramatic shift in consensus, you know, and the, and the commensurate shift to a more positive investor psychology toward U.S. Treasuries or, or duration or rates, as however you want to call it, our model research indicates some lengthening duration could make sense in the near term. So this includes, from our perspective, intermediate duration, treasury inflation protected securities or TIPS as well. Um, you know, all that said, given the risks that inflation may persist, along with the increasing supply of government debt issuance that we've seen, we do also continue to favor shorter term maturities in treasuries as well, which are still providing at this point, still providing that attractive yield. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what about corporate bond market, often referred to as the credit markets? What is the model seeing there? Yeah, well, you know, the inversion of the U.S. yield curve continues to signal that potential uh, risk of, of an economic slowdown here. I mean, we have more of a mixed outlook now in the U.S. equity market as well. So, you know, we don't think that's necessarily presently reflected in corporate credit spreads, which are still quite tight, particularly at the high yield. Mm -hmm. So the risk of widening from here for such little additional yield over risk-free treasuries keeps the outlook for corporate credit markets just remaining cautious for the time being. Good. All right. Shifting gears again, let's look at real assets, and that would be both gold and commodities, beginning with gold, which, uh, as we know, I, uh, I think it reached an all-time high in, in late December. But what is the model seeing here in, as we turn the calendar into 2024 for the price of gold? Yeah, gold gold rallied in the fourth quarter uh, from the low, a low, the low 1820s region of dollars per ounce to an all-time high, as you alluded to, of $2,077 uh, per ounce and finished 2023 with a gain of almost 13%. You know, interestingly, gold, gold increased in value last year, even in the face of rising real yields, which isn't usually the case. They often move uh, in opposite directions. So some reasons that gold remained attractive last year can be attributed to this very significant buying by foreign central banks uh, who've been looking to reduce their dependence on the US dollar. You know, our longer term outlook just remains positive towards gold as it could serve as this safe haven against a potential downturn in the equity markets uh, during a stagflationary environment and as a hedge with the, with the continuing you know, geopolitical risks and, and ongoing uh, uh, wars that we're seeing uh, globally. Excellent. All right. So let's uh, take a look at the commodities market. And that was one of the few asset classes that had negative performance, I believe, in 2023 probably based in large measure on the uh, decline in the price of oil. Um, so what are we seeing, though, uh, in terms of uh, commodities uh, this year? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, yeah, commodity, broad-based commodity basket was negative on the year, down maybe 6% six, 6 or so. Um, you're correct that the, the price of oil, you know, is a, is a is a real wild card here. There's there's the risk of a widening conflict in the Middle East, which could, could certainly spike the price of oil. Uh, but for the time being, it, you know, that remains at bay. Uh, most of those conflicts are regionally uh, located for the time being, but remains a risk. So overall, the model research in the absence of, of widening conflict views commodities unfavorably with this kind of continued weakness that we're seeing um, out of China, uh, but, but yeah. more broadly, the, the, global, the global picture. Excellent. All right, Eric, that's a wrap. Thank you very much for providing the update. Our first update for 2024 uh, most likely proved to be another interesting year in the global capital markets. And we look forward to being able to keep our listeners informed throughout the coming year. So that will do it for Eric and me this month's edition of the Three Edge View from the Edge. We'll be back in early February with our next edition 
of the Monthly View from the Edge. Meanwhile, Steve Cucchiaro and I will be back next week with the latest edition of the Three Edge Week in Review. And if you would like a hard copy of this View from the Edge newsletter for December, you'll find that on our website, which is 3edgeam.com. As a reminder, our entire library of video content always available on our Three Edge YouTube channel. In addition, if you think someone you know may benefit from our Three Edge videos, please feel free to share them. So on behalf of Eric and everyone here at Three Edge, thanks for listening. This commentary is intended for information purposes only and does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy securities. The opinions expressed in View from the Edge are those of Mr. Foltz and Mr. Beagleisen and are subject to change without notice in reaction to shifting market conditions. This commentary is not intended to provide personal investment advice and does not take into account the unique investment objectives and financial situation of the listener. Investors should only seek investment advice from their financial advisor. The observations include information from sources that 3Edge believes to be reliable, but the accuracy of such information cannot be guaranteed. Investments, including common stocks, fixed income, commodities, and ETFs, all involve a risk of loss that investors should be prepared to bear.